This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. When you're working on something that truly energizes you, you have infinite energy. Yeah. Because you see where it's going, you see how it's having impact. And when you're a founder or a creator, like, Having that bigger picture and saying, I'm doing this for this North Star objective and I'm connecting the, yeah, I'm doing emails right now, but it's connecting to this larger goal. Then you find that energy. Welcome to The Real Real, where we go behind the highlight reel and go into the unfiltered. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, Amanda. Thanks Hello. for coming on my podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so, so excited. We've been planning to do this forever. I feel like for it's like my two years. Fault. I know. <laughs> no, no. I think our schedule is just like we're yeah. both very busy. We both travel a lot. So yeah. it just didn't line up. But I am so excited to have you on because whenever people ask me like, who do you admire? Who do you, you know, admire in business? Like you're one of the first people that comes to mind. Aww. Just because like you've built such successful brands and you are not afraid to express your femininity, mm-hmm. which I don't think is that common in the startup world. Yeah. I think it's like one or the other. Like you're, you know, building a brand and that's kind of like your only focus and only passion in life or you're an influencer and you're like, life is your brand. Right. But the two don't really merge. And I've always felt conflicted with that. with that yeah yeah because like I want to show both sides of me yeah or, like all sides of me yeah I definitely the way I think about it is that I have all of these different characters inside of me it's like a movie and each character is its own person with their own goals and it's okay that they don't combine like I think where we feel all of this like tension is that we feel like we have to merge all of our different versions of ourselves into one. And so my persona when I'm working is like a little bit more masculine. I'm way more assertive and aggressive. But with my partner or as I'm dating, I'm like a golden retriever. I am just so soft. And like with my kids, I'm super maternal. And the thing that I always share with people is that that's such a superpower and where we feel burnout is when we feel the tension between those starting to like step on one another. And so I like to talk a lot about just honoring the transition between those different versions of yourself and stop trying to make them. Like I have a version of myself, like I love to go out dancing and party, Mm -hmm. but I'm also this like super health and wellness freak that like I've was an athlete my whole life. I was an ACE certified trainer for years. And there's this like, oh, like that version of me would never drink tequila all night and go dancing. But there is a different version of me that needs that to feel young and alive and like connected to my friends. And so it's like splitting those things and mm-hmm. saying each one can have their own goals and storylines. And it's just about like navigating the kind of flow between them. Yeah, I definitely struggle with that in the sense of my life is also online and I like I've built my brand based on me and so many different aspects of me. Like when I was in school, I would talk about, you know, being an engineering student, but I would also talk about like 
hey, like, look at this cute outfit that I'm wearing. And right. My, like, outfits that I'm wearing to work or whatever it was that I was doing. And then now that I'm a founder, specifically, like, in tech, where it's very male-dominated, yeah. sometimes I feel like I won't be taken seriously, like, if I show that stuff, even though I know that that doesn't take away from, like, who I am or, like, my ability to, you know, build a company. But I can see, like, the outside perception. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, oh, like, she's posting, like, makeup videos, like she you know a true right founder and so it's more of like i get so conflicted with like the outside perception versus just like what i like as a whole so i love that you showcase that online and like within yourself because like it definitely i i notice it and like it helps to see how successful you've been and how like you don't care about that well so then anytime you're feeling that way about yourself you have to remember that you're doing that for someone else yeah you're doing that for the person who's studying engineering who also wants to post like cute outfit pics or do whatever like I feel the same way like I'm 38 like I have three kids I still post like thirst traps or like you know I'm in a swimsuit by the pool I don't care like Because what happens is when I post something like that, it's usually women who are like, thank you for still owning that side of you. Because especially becoming a mom, there's this thing where like society expects you to kind of now like move into this like mom Mm -hmm. mode and like persona. And how dare you still feel like party or show a sexual side of you or whatever. But when I do that, I hear from other people that they're like, thank you for showing me that I can still own all these parts of myself. And so you're doing that for someone else. Yeah. No, that's so true. And I've gotten comments like that too. Yeah. So I know. It's definitely just like what the expectation is and you just have to break that mold and like look a little different. Right. It takes someone breaking it for us to actually break it. Yeah. Like that's what like being first to do some of this stuff if you zoom out and think about the last 20 years and even the generation that raised us, like they had to break some molds and we had to kind of swing this pendulum, like this whole girl boss thing. Yeah. And like we had to swing it so far this way to break through. That was so like wear a pantsuit and be in the boys club and mm-hmm. get a seat at that table. And now we're I hate this binary construct where you're either a girl boss or a lazy girl or or yeah. in your soft girl era. Mm-hmm. Like I just detest that because like we have to find like that's what these like prescribed ways of living in these neat boxes are what get us to feeling like shit and guilty and shame. Mm-hmm. And so we have to just continue to find alignment with ourselves because as you get older – I say this as someone like nearing 40, like the happiest you can feel and the most peace I feel is when I just do whatever the fuck I want to do and I stop listening to those like voices. And as a founder, like my last startup raised 2.6 million from very notable investors while posting like lingerie photos because it was a sexual health and wellness company. Mm. And I remember like going into meetings and it's like, I'm going to make sure that I use my words and my data to show the story. And if that person is feeling a certain way because of my Instagram, that's their stuff. Yeah. 
And I don't own that. I don't take that on. And you don't want them anyways. No, exactly. And you will find – you just have to have this kind of like attraction mentality of like you will attract the right people to support you as a founder, your company, and you want those people. You don't want the other people that don't get it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I'm definitely like that when I go into meetings and – you know, I always think like if they don't understand what we're doing or they don't believe in what we're doing and I have to like beg and convince, like I'm not doing that to anyone. Like yeah. I'm not begging. I'm not trying to convince anyone. Like if you don't want to yeah. invest or you don't want to be a part of this, then okay. Like well, you know your audience better than anyone because you've lived that life. Right. So like for you, the story is so natural. Right, right. And I want to go back to like way before, you know, you started your companies and before like who you are today. You grew up in a really small town, right? I did. Okay, like where? Eight hundred people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, um, Wyoming, Illinois. Yes, it's two states. <laughs> like, okay. It's very confusing. <laughs> Wait, is the city Wyoming? Yeah. In Illinois. Okay. Yeah. So it's about an hour north of Peoria, like thirty miles north of Peoria, Illinois. If people don't know where that is, it's like three hours south of Chicago. <laughs> but basically, it's like the middle of the cornfields, and like my high school was a. 30 minute drive because wow. you had to go through like all the cornfields to get there. And it was like the high school is a culmination of 10 different towns because it's all so small, like these little blink towns. But yeah, I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere. Wow. Okay. And did you have siblings or what did your parents do? Yeah, one older brother, seven years older. So very different life stages. So I, I had a very much like only child like upbringing. My dad is the town like plumber electrician and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, kind of ran the business from the home and neither one went to college. So I'm a first-generation college grad. And yeah, like most of my family is, you know, pretty blue-collar cops and plumbers and things like that. Mm -hmm. When you graduated high school, you knew that you were going to go to college. Was that always in the cards or was that like an ambitious goal for you? Because I know that you said that you're first gen. Yeah. So it's funny because growing up, my parents were very laissez-faire about everything. They were just like, like for a while, I was like, I'm going to be a hair and makeup artist. I'm going to, and I was an athlete. And so I got a full ride, like a scholarship to do basketball. And so I was going to do that. And then I got another scholarship to be a cheerleader at this other small school. And that was going to be following my high school boyfriend. And I had a guidance counselor who sat me down and literally said, if you do not pursue an academic career, because in in high school, I had an office in the high school because school was very easy for me. And so I would get my work done and then I'd get to go sit in an office with the guidance counselor. So I was not only on the like a student council president, but I also sat on the state board of student council. Oh, wow. So like all of Illinois student councils. Um, And so I just sat in there and I would come up with ideas of how to like make the school run more efficiently, fundraisers, like new extracurriculars, whatever. And so Mr. B sat me down and was like, you will not be following your high school boyfriend. You will regret it. And you will apply to these schools because I wasn't going to apply to like a big school. So I did. And I got a full ride, full academic scholarship to University of Illinois. And I went there and I was like a fish out of water. Like I went and I was like, oh, 
you mean you guys have credit already in college? <laughs> like, you have a credit card from your parent? Like, I was like, oh, so like small town girl, just like, what is happening? But I learned a lot. And like, my college experience was definitely unlike most people's because I had four jobs to pay for oh. college. I was a during the day, so I taught group fitness in the morning and in after classes. During the day, I was a marketing intern um, for the Division of Campus Recreation. At night, I worked at Hooters. And on the weekends, I nannied for like a wealthy family in the area. So, wow. And then I got engaged when I was a sophomore. In college? In college. And I'm guessing, was this your high school boyfriend or was this someone else? No. So that high school boyfriend cheated on me. So Mr. Okay. B was right. <laughs> Good um, thing you didn't follow him. I didn't, I'm so glad I didn't follow him. And then met my this was now my ex-husband shocking that it didn't work out when you get engaged at 19 um <laughs> but we we met totally had one of those situations where it was like really intense really fast he proposed after three months I was like oh yeah because it's the midwest and I didn't know any better yeah my parents got married when they were 18 and 19 right so it's so funny how you have to go through some of this like generational programming to be like, oh, wait, that's not for me. And it wasn't until like really I hit 30 and I realized like I had chosen a partnership and a dynamic that was not in line with what I wanted at this next chapter of my life, which was like, I want my career and I wanted a partner. I didn't want to just be taking care of the kids and just be taking care of him. Like the dynamic shifted, the contract shifted that we had like kind of arranged. Yeah. When you got engaged, so you got engaged after three months. Did yeah. you get married in school like while you were in college? Yeah, summer after junior year. And then I graduated early from college because I'm crazy. And I was like, I don't want to keep paying for this. This is right. annoying. So <laughs> I graduated early. My senior year, I actually worked for Ernst & Young Thursdays and Fridays. So I, I did school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, took a bus to Chicago and worked at Ernst & Young Thursdays and Fridays. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Eras tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. 
I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can first free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. And when you got married in college, were people surprised or shocked or was that normal? Like in the Midwest and, you know, because today, like, I don't know anyone that got married in school. No. I mean, it was still a little unheard of, but like in the Midwest and in the South, like people will maybe attest to this. Like people still go to get their MRS. Oh, yeah. No, I went to school in North Carolina. So like everyone was getting engaged the second after graduation. Yeah. So it wasn't like that unheard of. Yeah. Because he was older. He was a senior when I was a sophomore. Okay. So people just like, cool, this is exciting. I did have to deactivate from my sorority, which was weird. Because you can't be engaged and live in a sorority house. That's so weird. So weird. But yeah, so got married summer after junior year and then moved to Chicago. And when did you have your first kid? Yeah, so I was in Chicago for like two years working for Ernst & Young. And then it's funny because like in hindsight, you look back and you have these moments. It's so easy to look at relationships in hindsight. But like we weren't super good. And we were one of those couples that you read about where it's like, things aren't good, so let's distract ourselves with something. And so moving to New York was like first checkbox on that distraction list. It's it's like, okay, let's advance our careers. Let's move to New York. And then right around 26, so now I'd been married for, you know, five years, five, six years. I have always wanted to be a mom. Like Mm -hmm. I grew up on a farm, like Midwest mentality. I wanted a basketball team of kids and I have three kids now. And so it's funny because I look back and I had the wrong goals. Like Mm -hmm. my goals were get married, check, have a 
successful career. Check. Have kids. Check. When now looking back, like it should have been find your best friend who you want to spend the rest of your life with. It should have been like make sure you're like finding work-life balance or, or setting yourself up for, you know, the ability to spend more time with your kids or whatever. Or growing your career. Like I have no regrets in my career. I think that I've I would not change anything. But even with the kid thing, it's like make sure that you have the person who wants to be in the weeds with you. Yeah. And for me, I didn't have that. Like a partner, a true partner. Yeah. Someone who's like ready to be a 50-50 partner. Right. To be your co-parent. It's so funny because my kids have a great dad and we are great co-parents. I wish no, I don't want to say that because everything happened for the way it should have. But for other people, I hope that they figure out how to co-parent like divorced parents while they're still married because there's something so powerful in giving yourself breaks from the kids and allowing the other person to learn how to be a full-time parent. Mm-hmm. And our system's not set up for men to do that because, like, we have maternity leave for longer. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, the dad's, like, babysitting his kids. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, it's um, like, no, that's yeah. not what that is. <laughs> it's called parenting and you don't get a cookie for it. So, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I got divorced is truly because, like, I didn't have that. He was building his career. He was constantly traveling on the road and I didn't have a Mm co-parent and so finally it hit a point where I was like this is not what I signed up for and I didn't know what I was signing up for because I was pretty young and I was the first to have kids like I didn't have a lot of people in my friend group and also social media like I was still in a time of social media where everybody put their picture perfect like right yeah so this is back in like my first kid was born in 2013 So, you know, over a decade ago, Mm -hmm. people weren't sharing like the vulnerable side. There was no TikTok. There was no like real commisery on like what it should be. And there wasn't this movement of like dads showing up and being like great partners. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you've definitely grew up in a place that is so different than where you are right now. Like. Miami is probably a little different than Wyoming, <laughs> Illinois, so yeah. <laughs> um, and New York as well. But I feel like you've always been ambitious from what you were telling me of being like student council of the state, For even sure. in high school. Um, you got a full ride in school. You were working all of these jobs, working at EY your senior year and like yeah. two times a week. Like that's not something that, oh, it's just like happens. You know, it's like. Right. You definitely had to, you know, try to continue to like better yourself and wanting to, you know, help and like grow something, whether it's the school system or your career or anything like that. But were you focusing on your career when you got married in the sense of like, we're going to get married and I'm going to have my full fledged career, you're going to have your full fledged career? Or did it progress maybe in your 20s? Like, did you think you were going to be a stay at home mom ever? Or you always knew like, that's not what you were going to do? Did question. I'm trying to actually, rather than just say what I think the answer was, I'm trying to actually remember, like I started at Ernst & Young and I loved my career, like loved it. I knew I was pretty good at it and I was moving up and getting more territories and all this stuff. And then I moved to New York. And when I moved to New York, 
is when I got the job with David Tutera, the celebrity wedding planner. And I like got to manage his brand, work on his reality TV show. So I was living in LA for bits of time filming the show, then did that for a few years and started fertility treatments actually because I have PCOS and I couldn't get pregnant naturally. And so I started fertility treatments. And I was like traveling to Australia to plan Major League Baseball players' 30th birthday with like Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman performing on New Year's. Like it was crazy, but I was pregnant. And like I've always been the type of person that wants to keep a lot of balls in the air. Like I just, I want to get the most I can out of this life. Like Mm -hmm. we have one go. And the cool thing is like I have this thing that I think of called the spin cycle. Like, okay, what's a spin cycle in laundry? Whenever you're done, like the clothes are clean in the washer, they have all this water, so it's heavy. And so they have to like spin to get all that water out, that heaviness out. And so I think about my life with spin cycles. And when can I come up and like wring out all that heaviness and intensity? And I check in with myself pretty regularly to say like, when do I need a spin cycle? So I'll share two spin cycles. The first was, you know, I I had been traveling the world, working with a celebrity wedding planner, planning events, working weekends. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. So when I had my first baby, I took a year off and I just enjoyed being a mom. And then it was about a year in that I started to get the itch where I was like, cool, I'm ready to go back. Mm-hmm. But I, I viewed it as this time where I was like, okay, I've pushed a lot. I'm going to have a little spin cycle. I think about it now. I am writing my book and that comes out next summer. It's due this summer. I'm going to turn it in June 1st and I'm going to take three months off. Good for you. And yeah. I'm just going to have a spin cycle. Like, And I did it after I sold my company. Like, I took three months off where I just reset, checked in with myself, let all that heaviness get out of me. And so I think that that's important. It's okay to push as long as you are taking inventory of when it's becoming too heavy and -hmm. you're allowing yourself a spin cycle. Yeah, I love that term, the spin cycle. And I also think breaks are so like frowned upon sometimes. It's like the hustle mentality where you have to go, go, go. And I always view it as like, like you were saying how we live in this like binary system where it's either like girl boss or like uh, soft girl, whatever. And it's like, no, you can be both, you know? Totally. And I think of that with like the hustle culture where it's either like, go, 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 go. Or, you know, let's never work and like, let's just chill and not do anything. And I'm like, okay, there's going to be seasons where you will have to hustle and you really won't have that much time to take a break. Like Totally. And that's okay because you're doing it with intention. Exactly. And you know it's not going to be forever, but you're doing it to reach this goal that you have. And then there's going to be other times when, like you said, the spin cycle, this time when you can take a break and it's so nice and it's what you need and you're not really going to work and it's going to be great. And like, it's exactly what you need, but it's not like you're one or the other always. Like you can incorporate both at the same time yeah the same goes for like working on the weekends it's like I don't care whether somebody it's like just because you work on the weekend doesn't mean you're not resting like I have weekends where I'll get an hour or two done in the morning and then I have the most amazing restful day Mm -hmm. but we try to paint this like paint by number picture of like if you do this then it's going to start to look like this and it's like no you have to just first and foremost like burnout comes from misalignment 
if you do not feel connected to your work, like when I, I led a team of 50 people and it was pattern recognition. When I started to see someone burning out is because we didn't do a good enough job of connecting their work to the bigger picture mm. and making sure that they felt like the thing that they were working on, they had control over and they saw how it was connected to something with impact. When you do that, I mean, we've all done it. When you're working on something that truly energizes you, you have infinite energy. Yeah. Because you see where it's going. You see how it's having impact. And when you're a founder or a creator, like having that bigger picture and saying, I'm doing this for this North Star objective and I'm connecting the, yeah, I'm doing emails right now, but it's connecting to this larger goal then you find that energy. It's yeah. when we kind of lose that way and we don't see the connection. How do you realign yourself? Like, do you take those spin cycles? Do you take those breaks? Or like, is yeah. there, are there quicker ways to, you know, realign yourself when you start feeling a little more burnt out? Yeah. So I actually was just writing about this in the book. So I'll share a little bit. Um, I'm so excited for your book, by the way. <laughs> I will be like the first one to pre-order. You're so like, sweet. <laughs> Oh, you're so sweet. It's, it's so much imposter syndrome of like, I write it and I'm like, okay, I think, I don't, I think this is good. So there's this exercise. I went on this retreat. And I'm a huge fan. Every year I take a solo trip at the start of summer. No kids, no partner. It's usually like two or three days. I went to London last year. I went to Mexico the year before but I use it as this like reset, check in with myself, the year's halfway done, like how am I feeling? But I went on this retreat with a bunch of female founders that all brands you would know of and it was really cool. Everybody really came and let their guard down and we did this exercise. So this was right when House of Wise was like really picking up steam, but we were about to raise our fundraising round. I'd started to go out for the fundraise and the war in Ukraine broke out. And like, this is when VC capital kind of started to like halt. And they were like, oh, oh, we know, we changed our thesis. We're not CPG anymore. We're, we're focused on SaaS and AI and whatnot. And so I went, this retreat was timed perfectly. And they did this exercise. And so the exercise was, we sat in a group of four and we closed our eyes and we had to imagine our most perfect day. From start to finish, money is no object. There was no other limitations. Just you had to close your eyes and think about waking up in a bedroom. What do you smell? What do you hear? What does the bed linen feel like? What's outside? And you could live anywhere. You could do whatever, right? And then you were to go through the whole day and then until your head hits the pillow. Mm -hmm. That was the only directive. And so... We all sat there in silence for about 10 minutes, and then we opened our eyes. We had to share with the group. I went first. I shared that, like, my day was, like, a slow day. I, like, worked out. I had time with friends. I threw a party that night because I loved to host. Like, everybody came over. My kids were there. I had a partner, which I was single at the time, but I had a partner, and, like, the idea of someone was there with me, enjoying all of this with me. And then the girl next to me went and she owns a massive beauty brand that's in Sephora and Ulta and everywhere. 
and her day started. She was doing glam for the Today Show. She was <laughs> going to be featured on the cover of Forbes. And it was like, boom, 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 boom. And I remember having this moment where I felt so stupid. Like I felt like I did the exercise wrong because I was like, I didn't put work into my day. My perfect day would not involve work. (laughs) (laughs) But it was so interesting because like depending on where – so I've done this exercise now a few times. Like I did it recently and like I now see like me on a stage in front of a bunch of women Mm -hmm. talking about stuff. And so it it, like – it is coming back. But at that stage, like that was my perfect day. And so what did that tell me? Like I was so hungry for people. Mm. Like I had put dating on the back burner. I had really not invested in community. I'd moved to Miami, but I was so like heads down. And so I realized like, okay, maybe this current path that I'm on is not allowing me to live the full life that I want to live or it's not getting me closer to that. So I need to make some changes. And so that allowed me to kind of like find alignment a little bit more. I like that a lot because I definitely feel that way sometimes where I'm like, I feel like I haven't prioritized my friends or I haven't prioritized dating or I haven't, I can't even like clean my apartment. Like I'm like just like go 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 and then I'm like oh on the weekend I will but then sometimes the weekend comes around and I'm like sucked into my phone where I'm just like scrolling on social media and like not doing anything and I'm like mad at myself because I'm like get up and like do something yeah but that's just like all I want to do is like literally nothing so that whenever I feel that way though I always I'll take maybe like the next morning and have it be more like of a leisurely morning or I'll a day that week I'll schedule a workout class at 9 a.m. instead of like working right away because I think you need that rest. You need that time for yourself to recharge. And I think that's so important is that like just a quick way to get into realignment is a quick day where you can recharge even if it's the work day because I... My Monday mornings are that for me. Yeah, because sometimes I feel like the weekends I might feel like if I... Yes, you can relax on the weekends but there's something about like taking time off when you're supposed to be working and like getting rid of that guilt that is so nice too. So one of the things that I'm a big believer in is you can't do a thousand things in a day. Mm -hmm. And when we make these long to-do lists, they literally are designed for us to do the most urgent and least important thing. Mm -hmm. When you think about it, you write down all the things you need to do. First and foremost, just that act is like, oh, I got something done, but you actually didn't. And then the second thing is, well, what's the first thing I can do that I can like check off really fast? And so I only do two things a day. And I know that sounds like crazy, but I pick out two meaty things that I need to get done, whether it's like writing a thousand words, writing a newsletter, filming something, whatever, two things a day. And I call it like my to-do list. But for me, if I get two things done that are meaningful work, like I can't remember which book it was, whether it's Atomic Habits or Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but one of them said, you know, focus on the 20% of work that gets 80% of the results. Mm -hmm. We spend so much time on work that doesn't actually matter. Mm -hmm. And I think we're in this, look, COVID was an interesting time. We had to figure out how to stay busy because it made us feel important and like we're doing something with our lives. Like time stood still. So we had to figure out like, okay, what is my next task? What is the thing I'm going to do? 
none of it was really impactful, but it kept us feeling good because we were yeah, unaccomplished and exactly. Yeah. But then the world opened back up, and we kept thinking we had to like schedule a bunch of stuff, and that's not the case. And so whenever I'm like coaching someone, I look at their calendar, and I say what are two things you need to get done tomorrow that would be the most impactful to your business? And they would usually say, well, I need to think of a this strategy that I'm like putting off or I need to document this thing or I need to work on copy for this website, whatever it is, like a big meaningful thing. Okay, when are you going to do that? Because like I look at your day and you've got 20 minutes between meetings here and there. You have no time for meaningful work. And so we rearrange their calendar so that they are really, really focused on getting two hours of consecutive time every single day. And then for me, I only do meetings after noon to four. Okay. Yeah. That's how I scheduled my day. Actually, I, I only do meetings from one to five. Yeah. And that way in the morning, I have my morning where I can do work and uh, take my meetings in the morning because I will then from the meetings I'll like add a bunch of other things that I need to get done yeah and then I don't do my meaningful work but I used to have my meetings scattered throughout my calendar yeah and then I had no time literally nothing I would have like 30 minutes in between and like I'd maybe check my phone for five minutes and then it's just not enough to like do anything for sure so you've got it yeah no but I'm someone that makes like chronic to-do lists like a big list of things and I'm like okay what are the things I can check off to feel productive so I'll do like a bunch of little things but I need to not do that (laughs) so I pick two of the biggest meatiest ones and I put them on post-it notes and then at the end of every day I don't know how your tab control is but I'm a tab like crazy person I have a lot of tabs open on Google Chrome at all times Mm -hmm. so at the end of the day I pick the two things from the long list I say, okay, these are the two things that are the most impactful things I could work on. Put them on a post-it note. I close out of everything. Because also like when you're active on social media, like you also feel the need to like, it's easy to kind of lie to yourself and say, well, I'm doing work because I'm responding to comments and I'm, you know, community building. And so that is time batched for me now. Like I have a better control on that because that used to happen all day. Like I'd be walking to the bathroom and then I'm like, oh, Twitter. But yeah, so two things, close out of everything else. And then when you get to your computer the next day, you only have two things to do. Yeah, no, I need to do that because there's definitely a lot of big projects that I push off and push off and push off. It's like total human psychology. Last week I had, you know, I've had multiple like big projects. Haven't done any of them yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's literally like Eisenhower matrix. Like what's, you know, mm-hmm. what's urgent and important versus not urgent and important. And we never do the not urgent and important stuff. Yeah. No, I need to like prioritize better. The meetings thing mm-hmm. I think I have down, but now I need to prioritize. There you go. One step <laughs> like, at a time. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah. I started waking up earlier also so I could have yeah. like, because I need a long morning routine for myself. Same. I don't know how some people roll out of bed and they like open their laptop. Like how I have do you a 30 do that? minute window that I'm allowed to scroll TikTok. That's I, self-restraint though, to like only give yourself well, so 30 I minutes. I wake up at 5.30. I have this whole routine where it's like so Pavlovian. It's like my alarm goes off. My phone's across the room, so I have to get it. And now I don't, I feel bad because my partner will wake up. So I jump out of bed to go get it. That's been like a good one for me because I was a snoozer. And then I go straight downstairs, get my coffee. And then I, I allow myself to... 30 minutes of scrolling and when the clock hits six, I have to go 
write because write, writing in the morning for me is when my head is clear, everything, no one's bothering me. That's when I can write my newsletter, write the book, whatever. Mm-hmm. That is nice though when you have those like moments of inspiration and like yeah, you just you can do it when like no one's awake and everyone's still asleep. Like it's my happy place. Yeah, I love getting work done. Like I like my morning routine, but like if I can start work at like seven or like yeah. eight before a lot of people are up, then I try to start at eight. It's so nice because I just like yeah. feel so productive for the day. <laughs> I love it. And then for me, like my workout time is like eight to ten. Okay. Because then I've already gotten my like to do's done, mm-hmm. got like whatever writing or my big meaty things that I need to get done, and then I can go to the gym, and then I'm back at my desk by like ten thirty, and yeah. I've already like had the most impactful parts of my day to my happiness. You know, yeah. and now I can just be like, okay, what are, what do you guys got for me? Like, I can do Slack, I can do email, whatever. Yeah. So now I know we didn't touch on your like career as much in terms of like everything you've done, but you've started two companies. They've both been acquired. You worked as the VP of marketing at The Knot, mm-hmm. so which is so impressive. And weren't you like the youngest or were you one yeah. of the youngest or the yeah. youngest? Like, youngest VP, yeah. At The Knot or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's like so impressive. It was cool because it was like I came on when it was still like primarily an editorial company. It was mm-hmm. just the magazine. And then I came on when they hired a new CEO to take over from the founders. The founders were retiring. And the CEO came from Google. And so I got to work under him, Mike Stive, who is a brilliant CEO and learned so much. So I was the first like consumer marketing hire. So I got to build out the team. I learned so much. Like that was my equivalent of an MBA, like to learn under him. He brought in like amazing product people. I started the product marketing org. My CMO came from like yeah, like so many amazing brands. So yeah, it was a really cool experience. So cool. How old were you at that time? So I had just found out I was pregnant with my second baby. So I was 28, 29. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'm trying, that's like, I'm 27 right now, turning yeah. 28 in April. So, and I, I mean, even though I'm like the founder of a startup, I'm still yeah. like, I cannot imagine being the VP of a company like that. Like that is, <laughs> that's so impressive and so Thank cool. You. And at this point, were you you were still married because you just had your first kid, right? Yeah. So we separated when I was 32. So I had baby number three, who was a total pleasant surprise, and had him when I was 30. Okay. Did you feel like at when you were like building your career, working your way up, did you always think that you would stay in corporate or did you think that you were going to go off and start another startup? Because this was after your first startup, right? Yeah, my first startup was in the wedding space. I worked for the celebrity wedding planner. Then I launched a tech company for the wedding space, did an accelerator program in New York City. It was really when New York City tech scene was just like heating up and everybody was helping everyone. It was so freaking cool. I'm still friends with so many people from that era of my life because we all just like really bonded. And then I went to The Knot. And then, so to answer your question, like I have never like ever had this prescribed version of life once I figured out like, oh, I can't treat this as a check the box activity. So I never said like, oh, I'm going to go to a big company, then a small company, and then a big company. I just kept chasing energy. Mm. And if something was giving me energy, so the wedding startup happened because I sat on a nonprofit board with a serial entrepreneur who was wanting to start something in the wedding space. He knew I knew the wedding space from my celebrity wedding planning 
days. And I really liked it. I really liked what he was thinking about. I was like, this is an opportunity for me to learn how to manage a backlog, manage engineers, like build something from scratch. That seems really cool. And it gave me a ton of energy. Okay, so I did that. And then that led me to a female pitch night one night where the founder of The Knot was on the panel. And the company was not, we couldn't raise capital because that's the first time female founder, like it was very tech focused. We needed a lot of capital to build out. But mm-hmm. so anyway, she invited me to coffee the next day. She was like, hey, think that you should come on, kind of lead go to market strategy for this new thing we're doing. And I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Like I've been in this industry now for years, like, and it gave me a lot of energy. Then what happened was COVID hit. I'm now going through my divorce. My divorce took about three years. And I have been thinking about this problem, which was I'm not a huge drinker. And when I was going through my divorce, I realized that the stress was impacting me in a way that I've never experienced. Like I can handle a lot. Like I did four jobs in college. Like I can handle a lot. This is the first time that stress affected me physically. And that was manifesting in anxiety attacks and like really struggling to like stay focused. And I had a lot of brain fog. And like wine was really the only solution that like people celebrated with like mommy TikTok and mommy Instagram. Like it's like, oh, you're stressed. Grab a bottle of wine. Yeah. I realized like just direct A-B testing. If I drank wine the next day, my anxiety attacks would like be harder to manage. It's actually like horrible to drink alcohol if you're stressed. Horrible. Yeah. And so, and it affects your sleep like so much. And so I started to try CBD and this is still when CBD was still fairly new. People didn't know if it was like going to get you high or what it was. And I started to use CBD products and I realized, holy shit, there's no good products on the market. Like truly Some would give me bloodshot eyes and make me feel stoned. Some would make me feel nothing. Some would make me extremely tired, even though that was not the like thing that they said on the label. So when COVID hit, I saw my friends drinking more alcohol than I'd ever seen. And I had been toying with this idea of starting a CBD business and kind of more just like as a passion side project of like, oh, it's like I'll have a fun little brand onto the side. And then one day uh, I had been talking with a VC friend and I, I was like, yeah, I think I want to start this. And I pitched it to him. I was like, low alcohol movement. I see the tailwind coming. Like people are going to start to realize that alcohol is not great for you. And he was like, can I write you a 500K check? Wow. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, yes, I think so. Yes. So I followed that and I went to my boss and I was like, listen, I'm going to do this nights and weekends, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to start this. I'm going to go all in. So then I started working on the formulations and whatnot. And then when we got closer and I needed to really spend more time, but again, I had three kids. I was now divorced. So I needed to make money, have health insurance, all those like staple things. Yeah. And so I started doing fractional CMO work. So I I started going to different startups and doing like three-month contracts. And then once we raised the $2 million round, I went full-time. But like to anybody thinking about doing a business in that 
path. It's like don't let somebody tell you that you have to do it one way. Yeah. You have to do what's best for you. And like at the end of the day, being a founder is this like martyr complex of like, no, I'm going to live this like ramen lifestyle. It's like, well, when you have kids, that's you can't. You can't. And honestly, like you have to take care of yourself because being a founder is so draining and you have to be able to survive the emotional roller coaster. I always say that with like the reason why I live in Miami also instead of New York, because I did used to live in New York and I loved it. But I always say like, and people are like, why don't you live in New York? That's like where the hustle is. That's where the grind is. And I'm like, I know I can do my business anywhere. And my mental health is so much better here being in warm weather, being by the beach. I have better friends here. I like my community is here. Like my mental health is so much better than it was in New York. And even when I go to New York for like two weeks at a time, I'll go like every few months. Same. I get so like overwhelmed. I absorb all of the stress of the city now. Yes. It's like, I don't want my environment to be stressful if my job is already stressful. Yeah. And so I'm like, that's why your mental health, your physical health is your well-being is so important. Yeah. And that's why like I work out in the mornings and I, you know, don't feel bad about doing that or like getting my sleep, like all of this stuff of like your founder, you, you sleep three hours a night. I'm like, I get my eight hours. <laughs> well, and also, like, if I got three hours of sleep, I would not be able to do anything the next yeah, day. Yeah, no, I get my eight hours. <laughs> I will not work past, like, 8, 9 p.m. Well, I remember somebody, laptop closed. Like, <laughs> somebody said something to me because when I was living in near Wynwood, I had a huge pool in every afternoon because I work really early in the morning. By three, I'm done for the day. Like my cortisol is crashing. I need to go move my body. I need to go be in the sun. So I would post pictures by the pool at three o'clock and like other founders would be like, dude, what kind of signal do you think that's giving? And I was like, my signal is my numbers. Like we're growing. Like I have to know when to refill my tank. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm not going to play this game of pretending to be like, working when I'm not yeah like I don't know I totally agree with you I think that's so much smarter also yeah yeah no and then so after House of Wise you now have two newsletters you have Life's a Game and then Break an Egg right yeah yeah. okay I actually wanted to know why did you go the newsletter route and not other like media forms like a podcast or you know any I know you have like social media and stuff but so many people are starting newsletters now so I want to know what your thought process was with it well so my path has been twitter first and foremost started my world in twitter grew to hundred thousand followers and that was really like what launched house of wise it's where i got my investors then i went to linkedin and started growing that so for me that medium of just writing is super powerful for me. Like I understand how to write. I've got it down to like a science now of how to write a hook and like bring someone in, how to add value. Mm -hmm. That's what your newsletter is, right? Break an egg, one of them. So Life's a Game was the first one I started and that was on the backs of just really helping people with like personal and professional growth. All these things that we're talking about, which is like how to optimize your day and, and live in alignment with the life you want. But Break an Egg, I started with Jack Appleby was a good friend. We met on Twitter. We have been doing life together for three years, one of my best friends. And he and I, we just were like, there's like 420,000 people that have been laid off in the past six months. Like it's something crazy and it's continuing to happen. And 
all of my CMO jobs, every job that I've had over the past couple of years that's been like consulting or CMO, whatever, has been inbound because they see me talk about how to build brands, how to build community. So many people wait to build community when they need community. They wait to build a personal brand when they need it. And then it's built out of fear and like Mm. necessity instead of abundance and like value. And so we wanted people to get ahead of that. And so we just created a newsletter that gives you a prompt a day to show up on LinkedIn to start building that cadence of showing your expertise, your value, so that when it's time for you to either say, I want to leave this job, go find another job, or in the unfortunate scenario that you lose your job, you have a safety net. You have this like luck surface area that you've expanded by touching more people along the way and not asking for anything in return. I love that because I think I'm going to sign up for it because I'm really trying to grow my LinkedIn presence. I'm like really bad at Twitter and stuff, but I think on LinkedIn, I'm trying to grow it because like you said, I mean, I have a personal brand on Instagram and YouTube, my podcast. You have all the channels that I do not touch. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But I want to get better at LinkedIn because I also want to be viewed as like a creator economy expert from the background side of things, not necessarily or like the more technical side of things rather than just like being an influencer, which I have that down. You know creators. And the thing is the amount of marketers looking to know what's happening in the creator economy is huge. Yeah. Yeah. So that's – I'm going to definitely sign up for it. Well, it's like whenever I consult with a brand on where they should start with their social media, I first ask them like, what are your strengths? What Mm -hmm. do you have? What resources do you have? If you don't have video resources – Like now and only now that I've got that stuff down to a well-oiled machine, am I now like working with someone to come up with like, okay, what is my video content strategy? What do I need? Because it's so not the way my brain works. Yeah. And I need someone to kind of help me go through that. Yeah. This conversation is one that I think we could do like a million parts on. I'm like, wait, I didn't get to like literally like half the things I wanted to talk about. (laughs) But you are seriously someone that I am like so inspired by and Ditto. I thank you. No, I'm like always looking, you know, to see what you're doing and so inspired by it and just like really appreciate everything that you've done in just like the founder space and like especially with women in the founder space. So I appreciate that. I'm so glad that we met. I'm glad that we're friends also. Ditto. So where can they find you and where can they find all your stuff? AmandaGetz.com is the easiest way. It kind of funnels you through everything. But Life's a Game is my newsletter. I'm most active Twitter and LinkedIn, but I'll try to start doing some video here soon. But yeah, AmandaGetz.com. Yeah. Your videos would be so entertaining. Oh, you should God. definitely get I'm it. I'm so unhinged. <laughs> no, uh, I would love it. I would. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll talk offline and you'll yeah. help me. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday.
Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the mom room podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood. Hey, my name is Lovan Roomf and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here. And vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.